everybody, and welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and on today's episode, we're taking a look at a story that involves political strife, armed conflict, World Cup qualification, a missed penalty, and the power of one individual to inspire a country. In this case, that individual is four-time Premier League winner Didier Drogba. That man has done it all. He's won the Premier League, the FA Cup, the Champions League. He played professional soccer in Europe, Asia, and North America. He became the world's first player owner when he moved to Phoenix Rising at the age of 39, still played games, and still scored goals. But perhaps the biggest story about Didier Drogba is the one that we're going to be delving into today, did he really end a civil war and bring peace to Cote d'Ivoire? Now, normally I'll hold off my conclusions until the end of the episode, but today we're going to change it up a little bit because I think it's important to give the factual answer, but then also get into why the factual answer maybe doesn't truly cover it. So to repeat, if the question is, did Didier Drogba really end a civil war and bring peace to Cote d'Ivoire, then the answer is that he mostly did not. But as you might have guessed, the inclusion of that mostly is very important because he did a lot more than I think is well known and perhaps even more than the well-known story would tell you. And as with most things, the answer to our question lies in the gray areas of life. Here's how author David Goldblatt summed it up in his book, The Age of Football, Soccer in the 21st Century. Drogba and his Ivory Coast teammates may have played a small role in encouraging the end of the country's civil war, but they did offer a symbol of diversity and reconciliation at a time when that wasn't common or easy. And so to reiterate, that's why I say my answer is mostly that he did not, because I think I had sort of created this reality in my head where he speaks to the nation and says, hey, stop fighting, lay down your guns, and everybody listens, and it's the end of a movie, and that's how a movie ends, but not real life. Real life tends to require a lot more effort, a lot more dedication, and a lot more willingness to overcome, and Didier Drogba had all those things. So let's get into it, and let's start with the beginning of the journey to make a World Cup. When qualifying for the 2006 World Cup kicked off, Ivory Coast had never before been to soccer's biggest and most prestigious event. Whether or not that would change was very much uncertain when Le Elephant, or the Elephants, I'm going to go with the Elephants so I don't have to do my French accent every time, uh, when the Elephants were drawn into a group with Egypt, Benin, Sudan, Libya, and traditional powerhouse Cameroon. But things started off well. There was a 2-0 win at home against Libya, followed by a 2-1 win on the road against Egypt 14 days later. A strong Ivory Coast side had gelled around a core of key players, including 33-year-old captain Cyril Domorod, uh, Arsenal's Emmanuel Aboué, defender and the man who will kick racists in the nuts, Didier Zakora, and the talented Torre brothers Colo the Older and Yaya the Younger. But the heartbeat and inspiration of the team was Didier Drogba, a man so popular he got his own song. If you weren't aware of that, well, you've already heard it because it was the song playing in the introduction to this show. We'll play it again in full in the outro. Drogba arrived at Chelsea in the summer of 2004 for a reported fee of £24 million and hit the ground running. He scored 16 goals across all competitions in that first season as Chelsea and their then young upstart manager Jose Mourinho won their first ever Premier League title. And Drogba brought that experience with him to World Cup qualifying, scoring seven goals in the Elephants' first eight games of the campaign as Ivory Coast seized top spot in the group. But then a 3-2 loss at home to Cameroon in the penultimate game of qualifying meant that entering the final match day, Cameroon were top of the table with 20 points, Ivory Coast second with 19. 
qualification hopes seemed bleak, and for the people of the Ivory Coast, it was another moment of heartbreak in a very turbulent time. That loss to Cameroon took place in 2005, three long years after political tensions surrounding a recent presidential election boiled over into a night of violence that escalated into a full civil war. The country quickly divided along north-south lines, with President Laurent Gbagbo's government controlling the south and a rebel faction known as the New Forces of Ivory Coast, led by Guillaume Soro, controlling the north. French military forces and UN peacekeepers intervened and helped establish a ceasefire boundary between the two sides. The initial violence subsided, but would then flare up from time to time, intermittently, periodically, but without widespread escalation. However, with President Bagbo's term in office set to expire on October 30th, 2005, and no election on the horizon, the threat of wide-scale violence loomed large once again. And with that backdrop in mind, Ivory Coast played their final World Cup qualifier on October 8th. We'll talk about what happened in that game in just a second. But first, let's take a break to hear from today's sponsor. This episode of Soccer 101 is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Something tells me that for Didier Drogba, having 50,000 fans scream his name was probably a little bit exciting. It was probably a little bit electrifying. If you would like someone to scream your name but are having some trouble, then Blue Chew is here to help. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, which means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacy because it ships right to your door in a discreet package. It doesn't say for erectile dysfunction in giant letters. Don't worry about that. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And again, it's all done online. So if you think you could benefit from extra confidence and you don't have 50,000 friends hanging around, then it's time to visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And they've got a special deal for our listeners. You can try Bluechew for free when you use our promo code SOCCER at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's Blue bluechew.com promo code soccer to receive your first month free that's bluechew.com promo code soccer to receive your first month free thank you very much to bluechew for sponsoring today's episode now back to the show welcome back to soccer 101 to reset the stage entering the final game of qualification cameroon sat top of the table with 20 points ivory coast in second with 19 meaning ivory coast needed to win and hope that cameroon did the opposite of that Cameroon's home match against Egypt kicked off in West Africa at the same time that Ivory Coast took the field away to Sudan in East Africa. Cameroon jumped out to a lead in the 20th minute. Ivory Coast did the same in the 22nd. And while the Elephants added two more in the second half, Cameroon were caught out by an Egyptian equalizer in the 79th minute. So all is going well. But any celebrating the Ivorians may have begun were quickly curtailed when Cameroon was awarded a penalty in the fourth minute of injury time. But the resulting kick banged off the post, careened wide, and the final whistle blew moments later. Ivory Coast had secured its first ever spot at the World Cup. Media covering the game were ushered into the locker room where the jubilant team had huddled around Drogba, who had established a tradition of leading the team in a post-match prayer. But this time, the remarks would be different. With a microphone in hand and a camera in front of his face, Drogba began to speak. Vous avez vu, on vous a prouvé aujourd'hui que toute la Côte d'Ivoire peut cohabiter, peut jouer ensemble, 
men and women of the Ivory Coast, from the North, South, Center, and West, we prove today that all Ivorians can coexist and play together with a shared aim to qualify for the World Cup. We promised that the celebration would unite the people. Today, we beg you on our knees. The entire squad then dropped to their knees. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Please lay down your weapons. Hold elections. Everything will be better. And then they all began to sing, We want to have fun, so stop firing your guns. Back home, the request fell upon celebratory ears. With thankful celebrations outside the Egyptian embassy for their uh, equalizer against Cameroon, and reports that even the rebel capital took time to celebrate the national team. Over the next few months, Drogba's speech would be played countless times on televisions around the country as the government and the rebels moved closer to a peace deal, which was ultimately signed in 2007. In the time between, the Elephants went to their first World Cup and exited in the group stage, losing 2-1 to to Argentina, respectable, 2-1 to to the Netherlands, definitely respectable, and then they earned their first ever win when they beat Serbia and Montenegro, who had already separated but were still together for this final World Cup. Uh, They won that game by a scoreline of 3-2. And the good feelings after that respectable first World Cup appearance continued when the ceasefire was signed in 2007. That same year, while visiting the rebel-held areas in the north, Drogba, who was then the African Footballer of the Year and was from the south, announced that the upcoming home match against Madagascar that was scheduled for June would not be played in the capital city of Abidjan as scheduled, but rather in Bouaké, the rebel capital. It remains unclear if Drogba had been given any sort of permission or authority to make that declaration, but at that point, who's going to say no? So, the game is moved and goes ahead with soldiers from both sides of the conflict in attendance. That's right, you still have a ceasefire, you still have lines of division. But for the national team, they're willing to split the stadium and watch the team together. And here's how the BBC described that match. On the pitch, any notion that the script would not be a fairy tale was dispelled when Solomon Kalou tapped in on 18 minutes. The goals kept coming. With just five minutes to go, and with Ivory Coast leading 4-0, the stage was set for the spectacular finale everybody had hoped for. A lofted ball from midfield dropped behind the defense into the path of the onrushing Drogba. Delicate control and a delightful second touch took him round the goalkeeper, and he slid the ball into an empty net. The explosion of noise defied the stadium's modest capacity. The country's messiah wheeled along the running track in celebration, players and supporters streaming in his wake. Above him in the stands, old adversaries celebrated together. The final whistle brought fans rushing onto the pitch, with security personnel forming protective screens around the players, most of all Drogba. The symbolic gesture of the game in Bouaké seemed to have united a country once again. And this is definitely where the Hollywood movie would end. To be honest, it's where this story often ends when it comes to Drogba ending a civil war because the ceasefire had been signed in early March 2007. This game was played in early June of 2007. So there's this idea that he calls for peace, he calls for a ceasefire, he organizes this friendly and everybody comes together and cheers and finds their collective spirit. If this is the Hollywood movie, we fade to black and then the closing lines tell us that uh, the national team was able to secure peace after it had been so elusive and the world was made the better for it. You can see where I'm going with this because Hollywood 
as always, is not reality. We'll talk about what actually happened and how things were eventually resolved in just a moment. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Today's episode of Soccer 101 is brought to you by new sponsor alert... Manly Bands. Manly Bands will help guys find the wedding ring they want and need and want. The want is key. Uh, because when I was looking for my wedding ring, my wedding band, uh, I didn't really know what to do. I went to, like, costume stores, I think, was the solution I had. I'm not very smart. I went to a vintage store. I ended up getting sized and looking online and finding something. But it can be a little bit tough. You're never quite sure. Uh, and in my case, I think the sizing was wrong. Two different times, uh, I lost two different rings in the snow because when it gets cold, your hand gets smaller. The ring falls off. Nobody is happy with that. But the thing that it took me a really long time to learn is that that wasn't necessarily just my incompetence, but you can get different ring sizes. There's European, there's American. Uh, If they've been misshapen and then reformed, which turned out to be the case with one of the ring sizers, uh, then things can be a little bit off. And so one person's eight is another person's nine is another person's eight and a half. Manly Bands makes that whole process way less stressful. Uh, You can order their ring sizer, which they'll ship to you so you get the perfect fit, or you can use the app, download the app, install it, and then they have technology to help you figure out the exact ring size. Here is my hint for that one. Having been through this process, you are meant to measure from the widest part of your finger, which is your knuckle. But if you just look at that knuckle, it's so much bigger than the rest of your finger. You'll think, well, I must get the giant ring. You don't have to get the giant ring unless you want to. Uh, But otherwise, if you pull the skin down around that knuckle, you'll see that it gets narrower. And you want to measure for the narrowest part, measure exactly to that, and then get the ring that you most like. And that is the fun part, because you can choose from gold, wood, antler, steel, dinosaur bone, dinosaur bone, and even the meteorites that killed them. Harsh to the dinosaurs, but cool for you. Once you've selected your band, Manly Bands offers free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a free warranty. And obviously, if the size is wrong, they will work with you to get that fixed as quickly as they can. To order your Manly Band and get 21% off, plus a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com soccer. That's manlybands.com soccer for 21% off. Thank you very much to Manly Bands for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to the show. Before we get back to our story, I want to say, really between the last sentence and like the three-second gap before recording this, I feel like I was a little bit too harsh because everything that I've said about Drogba and everything he did to get to that game, to get to that friendly, to find that 5-0 win and have everyone celebrate is true and should be celebrated. He asked the government to stand down. He asked the rebels to stand down and find commonality and peace for the people of the country to be able to watch the national team, but also just to be able to live their lives. And he did that, and he did have an impact. That friendly is played. The military on both sides is there. People are listening. It's just that so often in life... It requires so much more work and many more people to unfortunately have to suffer before progress can be made. Because though the ceasefire had been signed, President Bagbo remained in power and would do so until 2010. The elections that had originally been scheduled for 2005 were consistently pushed back with one-year extensions because of the ongoing chaos. When elections were eventually organized in 2010, there was much speculation as to what would happen if Bagbo were defeated. Would he accept the results? Would he leave power? Can you imagine such a scenario in which we would have to worry about a leader refusing to yield power? Well, for Ivory Coast, that scenario became reality. 
When opposition candidate Alassane Uttara was declared the winner, President Bagbo refused to accept the outcome, leading to a second civil war and his eventual ousting from power via the intervention of the French military in April of 2011. And at this point, you might be wondering why I've turned a story about World Cup qualification and soccer into a political history of modern Ivory Coast. Well, we're going to get back to it because President Watara was finally able to take his rightful office and we can now pick back up our Hollywood ending. Because at this point, a decade of conflict has torn the country apart with thousands killed and millions displaced. And the national team once again provided a brief escape from reality when they came close to winning the 2012 Africa Cup of Nations, losing in the final to Zambia 8-7 to on penalties. Despite the heartbreaking defeat, Watata supporters met the squad at the airport and treated the losing team to a celebration befitting champions, which was a title they would finally earn in 2015 when they beat Ghana 9-8 to in a shootout after the game finished scoreless. They love some penalties. They love them more when they win. One million people reportedly turned out to celebrate, including the country's new president. Here's another excerpt from Jonathan Goldblatt's book, The Age of Football. President Watara, now often known by his initials ADO, made it his business to greet the team at the airport, lead them in his motorcade, and officiate the ceremonies at the National Stadium. Placards along the route read, the Ivory Coast is rising. Thank you, ADO. There definitely would have been signs for Drogba as well, had he been a member of that team. Unfortunately, having previously announced his retirement from international football, Drogba missed out on that victory in the 2015 African Cup of Nations. But he did very much publicly follow along. You can find the footage of his reaction to them winning. Let's just say it's emotional and he definitely still cared a lot about that team. And I think it's safe to say that both the members of that team and the people of Ivory Coast probably felt the same about him. Because even though he did not physically bring the two warring sides together and force them to hug it out, he did provide a consistent source of strength and inspiration to the country. Here's David Goldblatt one more time. At his peak, Drogba's presence in the urban areas of Cote d'Ivoire was pervasive. The wooden walls of barbershops in the slums featured his carefully painted image. A thousand shacks were enlivened by posters of him in flight, as were the battered doors of Abidjan's Bacas, the vans that serve as the city's buses. A local brewery served up Drogba beer, I would like some of that, and his name became a synonym in Nushi, the local Franco-African slang for strong or tough. That seems accurate. And with all that said, we return to the original question, did Didier Drogba really stop a civil war? My answer remains, mostly no. He spoke plainly to the people in power, and he organized a game that, albeit briefly, did bring warring factions together. But the conflict that existed before Ivory Coast qualified for the World Cup existed after, and the sides doing the fighting remained staunchly opposed. But for the people of the country, he and his teammates unquestionably provided a spark of hope and optimism, a reminder that there were still moments of joy in the world, and a point of pride because the best footballer on the continent was one of their own. And on that note, we've come to the end of this episode of Soccer 101. If you liked it, please help us grow. Tell a friend, spread the word on Twitter, shout it into a microphone after a triumphant victory. If that's how you want to go, it all definitely helps. I've been Taylor Rockwell. This has been Soccer 101. Now let's let Drogba's song, Drogba Cite, play us out. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Allez, tout le monde. Hey.
Allez, reverse, allez, one, touch, reverse, allez, revenir, allez, reverse, allez, one, two, acrobatité, allez, et pas seulement des jambes, hein, elle des pigeons, elle des pigeons, elle des pigeons, elle des pigeons, goal, elle des pigeons, goal, elle des pigeons, goal, elle des pigeons, goal, elle des pigeons, acrobatité, tout le monde, allez, si, assis, 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 